When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to Sharpen the Point. I'm Brian Peller and here with Chris Tindall for week 10 of the college football season. It's November. We've got a college football playoff ranking now under our belt. Uh, plenty going on out there. It's kind of sad. It's only like, what, five weeks left? Kind of hurts my heart a little bit. I can't believe it's almost over, but... Um, you know that's part of the charm of it, right? The best sport in the world. It's got to it's got to go away a little bit. Kind of the Chick Fil A effect. Is that is that what you would call it? Yeah, that's what I would say. And and we've we've been blessed with midweek action, and it started out hot with a little snow game in Toledo this week. So it's exciting, but it, it is winding down. But that means bigger prize pools, on bigger fish to fry here. That was the Halloween night snowball. That was a, a fun one there. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody out there. If you're a new listener, we are a college football game and DFS picks podcast. I do the game picks. Chris does DFS. We argue about both. He tells me I'm a DFS idiot. And then I give you apparently very bad picks. That was at least how last week went. Went. How it went. Uh, we've got an article on TomahawkNation.com with some of this info. You get more nuance, more detail right here on the podcast. So thank you for listening. If you are a reader there, and if you're stumbling upon us, go ahead and hit the follow, subscribe, whatever. It keeps you around. Uh, we drop this every Friday. Remember, if you are betting or playing these picks, do so responsibly. Follow your picks at your follow our picks at your own risk. We're just guys at the keyboard. I wouldn't call this gambling advice. It's just more explaining what uh, our thought process is for the weekends. We always start what went right, what went wrong from the week before for us. DFS first, and Chris, my best lineup last week was player for player, the one you gave me right here on this podcast, and I believe it finished top five hundred at a. Ten or fifteen dollar winner in a four dollar uh, cash tournament. Yeah, it, that one actually was my highest score on the uh, on the week for the main slate. So it ended up cashing, but my other lineups all cashed as well. I think I had one that uh, lagged behind a little bit, but everything kind of played out pretty well. Uh, bounce back week, we'll say it was a good win all our money back from the week before. And uh, Garrett Green was good. He had his rushing touchdowns. Gabriel, similar story for me. And uh, Mendoza, that that man, he came to play. You know, I was real happy. He was. He even showed some rushing upside that we we thought we might see. So he was. We we probably played the best point per dollar quarterbacks on the entire slate. And USC is officially the fantasy carnival. They've taken over that mantle from <laughs> Colorado, evidently. Uh, Harvey at running back was was good. He hit his hundred yard bonus. Just couldn't find the end zone himself. And uh, Singleton, something's wrong with him. Something's wrong with Penn State. Clearly, uh, he he got that touchdown, but they just 
they look so bad on offense. They just have no breakaway ability, no big play ability. Uh, they were giving up big plays to Indiana, including that 90 something yard uh, reception. Thrash looked good. Uh, Stewart looked good out the gate. I remember I, I texted you and said, Oh man, Stewart's off to a hot uh, heater. And it ended up being an uh, Ines Smith day again. Um, so you were you were more right than me on that one. And, <laughs> and if we're lucky, we might get a good Phil Moffa week here. Uh, so that would be exciting. If Shipley's out, Moffa's definitely in play. But realistically, our, our, our lineup was so good because we made up so much ground at quarterback and our other plays were just good enough to to find the money. Yeah, Green and Mendoza were both fantastic. Um, Mendoza just, every time I felt like I looked up, they were back in the red zone, which just, again, is a testament to USC's defense. Uh, and, yeah, those rushing touchdowns from Green, I'll take it all day. I think he had, the running back even took one or two short ones, and, and I was like, wow, we could have had some extras there. But, uh, you know, don't get greedy. He'll take three rushing touchdowns from your quarterback, anything. Yeah, we we got lucky, too. There were some situations that we were able to fade. I know uh, the running back for A&M, was uh, heavily owned in most contests and he ended up sitting. So that was a late notice on that one, which the beat <laughs> I felt bad for the beat writers, but I also didn't feel bad because I understood what everybody was saying. They were lambasting that poor man. Well, it's just, I mean, I had a lineup that had him in it as well and I still cashed with it in the zero in it. And it's just like, uh, that, that th- those are frustrating. So yeah, I get it. I mean, at the same time, you know, college football organizations aren't exactly the uh, the most forthcoming on information. So, well, uh, I think in fairness, they were everybody. The the point that people made, which made sense, as to why they were upset with the beat writer, and I don't agree with necessarily what they said to the beat writer about it. But what their their point was is, how do you not report that a starting running back on their your SEC team isn't out there dressed in pregame? like warming up and he was like, well, I wasn't sure. Well, if you didn't see him, you didn't see him. Like, let's, let's report that. Yeah. Um, and you know, I haven't been in the press box uh, and, and covering a few games, um, lately. I would say I've lost a little zip on my fastball when I'm out there in terms of keeping track of everybody moving around and moving parts and everywhere, uh, kind of hard for everybody to do so. Um, cause you know, it's not exactly like you guys are spread out in a press box. You're pretty much shoulder to shoulder. So if the guy two seats down from you goes, Hey, don't see Owens. I feel like it probably picks up to everybody around the box. You know, someone up there is going to notice it and it's not exactly a secret. Um, yeah, it's a little weird. It, it seems like to me, the checklist of people I'm looking for are anybody who, anybody who came in with an injury that we weren't sure about. That's yep. number one. Right. Number two is going to be, is my starting quarterback out there? Number three is going to be, are my offensive skill weapons out there, which includes my running back and my top wide receivers. And then I'll move to anything else. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, you know, you're just, you're taking pictures of this stadium and everybody getting excited and whatever, you know, stuff like that. When you haven't had that happen in a while, you kind of just forget to do it or you're worried about other things. Regardless, um, I wish I had just spent more time taking pictures of stadiums and posting it last week. I delivered a solid three and seven uh, in the article and a one and seven on the picks I gave you here on the pod. Uh, a tough one. Every time I seem to get within one of going to 500, I go on a massive, uh, terrible week and build my way back up. Regardless, I'm up to 46 and 51 on the season. Still not terrible. 
Uh, picking 10 games a week, you can't really complain again. Week zero, I had seven. That's why the number isn't a flat a flat number. A uh, quick recap of what we learned last week in college football. Uh, Florida State dominant over Wake Forest. It was never really in jeopardy. And Jordan Travis, good. Jordan Travis, Heisman contender for sure. Absolutely. It was the type of game I think he needed to have for that. Um, I think we are going to talk about the game against Pitt coming up later, so I won't spend too much time on this now. Yeah, we got. Oh, we're about talking it, so. about Jordan Travis later. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and skip it for now. Like I said, they just they, they just rolled over Wake. Um, you know, I kept waiting on Oklahoma. We 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 talked about how we were on Oklahoma, and I I forget who they played two weeks ago. Was it UCF? I was on UCF, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and. I decided with Kansas and Bean, I just couldn't go to it. I was hoping with Jalen Daniels, I would be on it. Um, when it was Bean, I decided against it. And uh, OU, honestly, I think outplayed them, but it's Kansas who wins, and so I get to be wrong. They heavily outplayed them. It was uh, <laughs> yeah, Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel, that first pass where he had a hitch in it, like he double-clutched the screen pass and just handed it to the DB for a touchdown was bad but other than that it was really a weather issue Oklahoma just decided to turtle up and run the football on a team and they're not necessarily a running team but thank you to Gabriel for three rushing touchdown on his own (laughs) that that was beneficial he made up some of the ground I lost on the Garrett Green um, that he was lacking there and some of the ground that I lost on everybody who played Jordan Travis because he keeps putting up numbers but uh, Oklahoma they played well on defense. I didn't really see a ton that I was like, oh, the, the, nothing really stood out. Uh, they just kept making a play here or there, Kansas did, and and they took advantage of their opportunity. Yeah, and I, I forget who puts this out every weekend uh, after the games are over, uh, but it's like the success rate. Like, how bad did you get beat is, is like the headline on it, and uh, it's week by week. And again, I apologize for whoever does this. I'd love to give credit. I just I just don't have it on top of my head and I didn't realize I would go to this so quickly. Um, but Oklahoma, I think, was the the most successful team in the country, but they lost. So they were they were obviously in turn the least successful. So like they were the better team, uh, just too many losing plays at the worst times. It would actually be interesting at thinking about that if somebody would be able to run models to do a expected game score. So like, just like you would do expected fantasy points, which tends to be something we'll see with air yards with wide receivers um, and running backs, you can get expected fantasy points. So rather than kind of like war uh, wins above replacement in baseball, similar thing uh, hitting in the rain on Tuesdays, uh, if you're (laughs) around Andre, but uh, that would be interesting because I wonder what the expected outcome would have been based off of the just solely the statistics of that game compared to what the relative score was. Yeah, I, I'm trying to find it now. and I don't see it, but, the, you know, it's based on the success rate of each play um, and how that transfers to your like your probability to win. And it's kind of like the, if you're at the very bottom of the chart, it's you were better by the most and you lost. And if you're at the front end of the chart, you were the best and won. So you like dominated. Um, you, you obviously prefer the closer to the front you are, means you won, uh, and you were better. So uh, to be on the back end of it for Oklahoma, tough one, though, they were clearly the better team. We'll get to more on them, I think, in a bit as well. 
Uh, Oregon smoked Utah. Um, I went with Utah. I don't know why I fell in love with Utah just off of the one USC game. I had been saying for weeks I thought Oregon was the best team in the Pac-12. And uh, I was like, well, they're gritty and tough, and Oregon will still win, but not by more than seven. Uh, and they won by a lot more than seven. I've never seen a Utah team get dominated so so bad. Early from the jump. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't even close. Like, Baki wasn't even getting touches. They weren't doing anything. It was it was a weird game script. It didn't seem like a Whittingham game, but I feel like they – it was a very Mike Tyson esque. You know, everybody had a plan until they got punched in the mouth. Well, Utah got punched in the mouth early and often. Yeah, they were. It just wasn't close. Oregon is clearly to me the best team in in the Pac twelve. Um, we'll talk a little more about Washington later as well, but uh, Oregon just seems they're just the most physical team out of a group of teams that are showing that none of them are really quite that physical outside of Utah. And they just, like like you said, they just took them up and down the field like we haven't seen many teams do. They out-Utahed Utah. Yeah, which and Utah has been winning this conference for, for years, just being tougher than everyone else. So Oregon's that team, and I, and I feel bad that I fell in love with Utah off of one game and gave them too much. I, I, I was on Oregon's side, and then... Bailed. Speaking of, I have been against Georgia. Uh, they really put it on Florida. Florida's up 7 nothing early. I felt pretty good. Uh, and then Georgia kind of rolled. I still have my doubts there. Uh, we're talking more about them in a bit, so I don't want to linger on that too much. Uh, here's another one. I fell in love with Duke after the way that they played against Florida State. Uh, even with a limited Riley Leonard, they were very physical up front on both sides of the ball. Um, I thought that would play against Louisville. It did not. Louisville dominated them as well, even with Leonard Riley Leonard playing. It just didn't really matter. Um, I just don't know why I keep falling in love with. I, I I last week just decided it was time for me to just focus on the most recent game and decide how much I loved a team off of that instead of the full body of work. I'm going to toot my horn here and say that I was right to say that Louisville's rush defense was better than Duke's, and Duke got steamrolled by Jawar Jordan. Big time. Yeah, they had nothing for him. I. I did write up. I didn't think Jawar Jordan would play. Uh, obviously, that did not happen. He did play. Um, it was a hamstring thing. I figured that hamstrings are normally not one of those you just kind of come back from, but it was. He came back from it, and he was great. So, um, you know, at Louisville's in that driver's seat. We'll get to them in a bit against Virginia Tech. They're kind of split in the ACC, so we'll get there in a second, too. Uh, same thing, BYU, Texas, overreacted to a Texas injury, and here I am again. Um Texas rolled BYU. They were just bigger, stronger, faster, and that was it. I don't know that you overreacted necessarily. Uh, Murphy didn't look that good. They were able to run the football against the BYU team that is struggled on offense and on defense to some extent. More on offense than defense. Slovis is now out this week. They, I wonder what the cumulative record is of the teams that joined the Big 12 against Big 12 opponents. I know I heard a couple weeks ago it was it was bad. Yeah, I heard earlier this year it was really bad. Like two weeks ago, I, I, I I'm not sure they had even won one of them, uh, or if it was particularly close. Um, they're they're relatively blowouts. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't been particularly close. Yeah. Um, I, I guess next I've got Colorado plus seventeen and a half at UCLA is a Colorado backdoor cover. Um, they played better than I expected. Um, they seem to be getting better. Uh, we got them coming up a little bit too, so I don't again don't want to hang on it too much. 
and then Oregon State at Arizona. Arizona wins this one. Uh, I had Oregon State minus three and a half. I really don't know what Oregon State was doing before halftime with the fake field goal. They faked it like on the drive before or earlier in that drive. And then it got called back because of a penalty. Um, and and then they, like, I think it was the same drive. They got the first down, ended up going for it normally. And then when they got the kick the field goal before the end of the half, they decided to fake that from like the 30. Um, you just, I just, I, I mean, you thought you were that clever? I, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't make any sense. You end up losing by three and, and you know, you wish you had those three points. Arizona has been playing some very good ball lately. Yeah. Fafita, their backup quarterback, he's starting for Jaden Delora, who's out right now with injury. He might have Wally pipped that sucker. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's he's playing really good. They have two great weapons in Tet McMillan and uh, Jacob Cowing, and then two very capable running backs. So it's they're a very good team. They're underrated. And they're not a team that you want to have be playing against. They're they're one of the better Pac-12 teams. Yeah, they they are getting better. Um, and if I'm any of these other teams, the Washingtons and the did they already play? They, they were the one to get no Arizona State gave Washington. Arizona the State did. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm one of those teams that's kind of trying to hang in this in this fight for this playoff spot, I, I am nervous about playing Arizona. They they are surprisingly getting better as this year is going along, and uh, can't really count them out. Uh, moving on to this week, we've got a lot of really good games. Uh, I think I have all 10 that I had on the picks this week all on here um, because there's a lot of games that are important and I think really interesting. Starting out in the Big 12, it's number 23, Kansas State, plus four and a half at number seven, Texas. I know I just said I overreacted to Texas, but uh, hear, hear me out on this one and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Texas beat Bama um, early in the year and has not played beaten anyone else really since they played close with Oklahoma probably could have won that game should have won that game uh Oklahoma with the goal line stand and the late touchdown at the end um now playing with the backup quarterback as you mentioned who didn't play the greatest last week um hey state kind of got written off pretty quick with the two losses relatively early this year um one was to Missouri the other was to Oklahoma State both unranked at the times um, both obviously no longer unranked. Missouri's number 12, Oklahoma State 22, and playing great football. That Kansas State game was kind of the start of that. I like Kansas State here, and you and I talked about this last week a lot. They're kind of tough to talk about because they sort of play two quarterbacks. They definitely play two running backs. Um, hello, Treshawn Ward. But they're, uh, they're very difficult to assess. Which I think the, makes them hard to prepare for, too. Oh, very much so, because you can prepare all week for Will Howard, and Will Howard's mobile, but he's like he's one bad drive away. He he can lead he did the game that Avery Johnson, the backup freshman running back, took over and had 90 yards rushing and five touchdowns against TCU. He came in. Howard had a passing led a passing touchdown. A touchdown drive right out the gate had a bad second drive and they benched him for Jones and then for Johnson Johnson scored a rushing touchdown the next drive and then it was like they were alternating series all of a sudden it's like man he had, he had one touchdown one non-touchdown what's the problem here 
but climbing apparently is really into into mixing matching right now the only constant on this offense is philip brooks at wide receiver uh, Sanat came back at uh, the tight end last week he played but very limited with an ankle injury so that's one of their better weapons the running backs just split 50 50 very similar to florida they're both very talented it Oddly enough, I'm surprised that Giddens is, seems to be the better pass catcher than Ward. Ward seems more like their thumper. And it's just, they're hard to project, but they're also, you know, they're good. Yeah, they're, they're a solid football team. And and you mentioned Kleiman coming from NDSU. He's in what his fourth year now, I think, at, at K-State. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're just a good football team and, and I, I will gladly take the four and a half, uh, against Texas with a backup quarterback. I think they're the best team that I think they're playing the best football at the time they play Texas of anyone outside, maybe Oklahoma I, at Bama at the time was terrible. Obviously Milrow was kind of garbage then. I, I don't know. He's much better now, but he's the offense overall looks better. Um, they've kind of settled in on what they do. Um, obviously, that Bama game, Bama ended up playing Milrow, benched him for the following week, and then almost lost to USF. So I, I don't think Bama was the Bama we see today at that point. I think K-State is playing better than they were then. I think this is more of a tough test, and I, I like K-State with the four and a half. I agree. I think- the weakness of the K-State defense is against the pass, so the weakness of the Texas offense currently is against the pass or with passing the ball. The one thing I would also say here, a lot of these lines, um, as of last check at DraftKings, are flat numbers. The article I do is also a contest, so I round. I started at just blanket rule. Everything gets plus half a point, so we don't have any ties. I believe this line at last check was four. I think all of these lines are pretty much flat numbers. Just if you're re- the real line, just take a half point off of all of them. Uh, so this one was four. Speaking of that, this one was three, uh, but I think I made it up to three and a half. It is Texas A&M at Ole Miss. It's plus three and a half for Texas A&M. I wrote this in the article. I was personally surprised to see this number as I was looking through the list. I thought Ole Miss would be probably around a six and a half point favorite to seven um, from the way A&M has looked on offense this year based on Ole Miss's offense, especially at home. Um, But A&M's defense has been really good. And I feel like if they can keep, I think they're top 15 in the country in rush defense. If they can bottle up Judkins and make this a dart game, we've talked about it all year. You never know what comes out of a dart game. I was tempted to put dart into my player pool, but dart still is in my player pool right now. Because it I'm makes ashamed sense. to admit I mean, it. I mean, the one game AM really got tore up was the was Miami, and that was when TVD was playing good football. Tyler Van Dyke gave him an abbreviation there, just letting you guys know in case you're you're not up to speed on Miami quarterback situation, but that one game that TVD was playing well earlier in the year was the one time AM got torn up all year. That's what I'm saying. Is is it our that's one of those things where we keep going back to that game and referencing it, but we're so far removed from it, similar yeah. to Oklahoma State, right? Oklahoma State got shillelied by LaDamian Webb in South Alabama. And I keep going back to that well. <laughs> Am am I wrong? Do I need to reassess myself? And what I've tried to do is start figuring out, okay, has another opponent that is similar played them? 
And I'm not sure in this sense that there is anybody similar. Now, I, I'm off Judkins this week. I love Judkins, but this is not the game. They, A&M's given up 2.85 a carry and two touchdowns on the season. That's impressive. Yeah, you know, even, they're very even, good up front. Even their yardage numbers, they've only given up 173 pass yards a game, but I think that's somewhat more who they played in that early season schedule than it is how good they are. But then again, like KJ Jefferson looked awful against them. Darts a little bit better, I guess. I mean, these are two <laughs> quarterbacks we both just despise. Well, it's just you just can't trust Jackson Dart. I I, I mean, he is fully capable of putting out a great football game. It, it's it's in the realm of possibilities. But so is three interceptions that absolutely cost you the game. And he tried to do something similar at Auburn. I don't think he was particularly good in that game. But like we talked about, he had like two rushing touchdowns. So if you look at his stat line, you're like, that's a good game. And it was like, in reality, he maybe made like three or four good throws and just stole Judkins touchdowns. Like I, A&M, I think, is specifically built to, for this to be surprising. And I, I did the thing where, like I said, I saw the line and was like, ooh, I expected to really like this at six and a half. And then when I saw it, it was closer to where I thought I would put it. I was like, okay, so someone else is thinking the same thing I am. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the Ole Miss wide receivers are very talented. They have a very good trio out there. It's I just don't know how much to get out of that Miami game. I feel like I just haven't learned anything about Texas A&M this year. No, I mean, I think if they had Wiegman, we feel a lot better about what we know about them. With with Max Johnson, the offense is, is too much of a question mark to really know. Oh, they're um, favored in this game if they have Wiegman. Yeah, I would probably think so, but they're probably also two or three less, two or three fewer losses as well. I mean, yeah. Um, th- here's another one I don't know what to do with Notre Dame minus three and a half at Clemson. Um, obviously, Dabo just took two losses in a row against Miami and NC State. Uh, two teams that are bad. Tyler's very upset about that too. Uh, yeah, Tyler from Spartanburg is not too, is not too pleased with the effort from Jimbo or from Jimbo. Jesus, from Dabo. Uh, I don't blame him. I'm hoping one of you guys listening was Tyler from Spartanburg. If you're not, I don't know what's keeping you from being on the line next week and being Tyler from Spartanburg or, or Jim from Tallahassee or something. Uh, dial in. This is what college football is all about. Ask Jimbo about all kinds of stuff. Why did you put on a slide if you can't, you know, find a quarterback or an offensive coordinator? Yeah, create uh, you a, a Clemson press conference manifesto. <laughs> so, I mean, when it comes to this game, Notre Dame is fresh off dominant wins over Pitt and USC. Pitt, obviously terrible. We'll get to more of them in a bit. USC, we talked about, again, more of them in a bit. Um, but Notre Dame's looked great. They obviously have the loss under their belt to Louisville, which was surprising. The close loss to Ohio State, which I don't know what to do with that game anymore. Like you said, is either team good or both teams good? I I don't really know. Um, Clemson, I think, is better built for this game than Pitt and USC are. Like, better built for the way Notre Dame plays. Yeah, I think so. But if... It's a really, they're very similar, very similar teams. I'm starting to wonder if they, something happened. They just aren't using Hartman right. Yeah. We're taking, we're talking the, (laughs) the most prolific passer in, in 
ACC history? Like one of? I mean, he's he's got to be up there numbers-wise. And he just isn't doing anything. I mean, this is a guy who's num- who was consistently – from a DFS standpoint, he was nine to ninety five hundred to eleven k all year. I think he's down in the sixes, and I was like, okay, well, I'm 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 not interested. Like, I don't know if he's he hasn't even gotten the twenty points in in a while. It's been the estimate show, even when they're up fifty one nothing. That was the number one takeaway for me that I told you about. The last two touchdowns that Notre Dame scored in that game was their star running back. It made zero sense. You want to go down a list of fun uh, ACC career passers real quick? Number five all time. Winky's got to be in there. No, NC State no, quarterback, no. career passing yards, NC State quarterback, Ryan Finley, number five. Taj Boyd, number four. Kenny Pickett, number three. Sam Hartman, number two. 500 yards behind Phillip Rivers. Okay. Well. Well, there's your list. So, I mean, yeah, he's only behind Phillip Rivers, but yeah, it just seems like they don't throw the ball. Um, and I, I, you know, we talked about all year. Clemson's front seven is what they're good at. Um, so if you can't throw the ball, or, or unwilling to throw the ball, or whatever it, they're doing, it's just to me a question of like, does Clemson play like they did at home against Florida State, it, or do they play more like they did on the road the last two weeks against Miami and NC State? Personally, I bank on a good effort from them at home because that's just kind of how they are. Also, I'm getting three points, so I'll take the three and a half points and move on from there. I, I just, I don't really know what to do with it. Like, I think Notre Dame's better. I just don't trust them. Yeah, and and I have to go back to those names you just said because I have a fun fact that I may never get the other chance to say again. Taj Boyd it was the stack partner with Sammy Watkins for the first ever tournament that I won in DFS. Wow, here's a good uh, Taj Boyd, Sammy Watkins story. I went to uh, Atlanta for New Year's Eve to watch them play LSU in the Peach Bowl. Uh, I had a bad hot dog at the Georgia Dome and spent the entire New Year's Eve throwing up in the bathroom of the hotel. So, um, I don't think in, that game went much better for LSU. No, it was fourth and 20-something, and, and uh, Boyd to Watkins for a first down that led to a field goal like right in front of me. And then I went home, and like I said, I went back to the hotel and was sick the rest of the night. So ringing in. Was that God? I was in college, 2014, probably. So yeah, welcome, welcome to 2014 or whatever that was for me. What a fun time! Uh, so we'll go ahead and move from that to the 3:30 window. Uh, another pretty strong list of games here. Missouri plus 15 and a half is the number 12 team in the country at Georgia. Um, I don't want to tank the pool here. What 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 are your feelings on this game? Man, Missouri is, I think from a general public standpoint, Missouri is very underrated. Yeah. And they have very good skill player weapons with a Theo Weiss, who was a heavily recruited wide receiver who went to Oklahoma to play with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, transferred to Mizzou. Mizzou uh, they lack that. I don't trust Cody Schrader. So to me, they lack a stud running back. Brady Cook, highly mobile. We've talked about him a few times this year. Uh, we've talked about Luther Burden, who we believe is one of the definitely one of the five best wide receivers in the country. So they they have a very good offensive weapons. I worry about their defense in this situation. 
honestly, I think we might be underrating how good this Georgia offense is. The defense isn't as good as it has been. Eugene Wilson never would have had four for 62 and a touchdown on the opening drive last week against the previous year Georgia defense. I know you don't trust Carson Beck, especially without Bowers, but. Do I have to? I'm starting to feel like I have to, to be honest with you. How many <laughs> yards, how many yards did Stetson Bennett throw for per game last year? You know what I mean? Like, like if I asked you right now, how many yards does Georgia throw for per game with Carson Beck right now up to this point in the season? I don't want to tell you that I, I, I feel fairly confident that I looked at this recently, but it's like 340. Yes, 334. Yeah, I looked at it fairly recently. That is way more than you expected. Like, it surprised me because I was looking up the stats. I, I look up the stats for each game that um, that's going to be on the main slate and key them in. I was shocked to see that number. That's the, you know, that's wa- almost wa- Washington's got 70 more per game, but I believe that's the third best mark in the country. Yeah, they. I mean... Uh... This is a classic case of is Beck getting better or were they predominantly playing bad teams? Because like the game I watched them probably most closely was the game they played Auburn and, and were trailing. Um, and just about every pass play that was worth a damn was just Brock Bowers, 10 yards, run a out and in a post and just hit him between like 10, 15 yards by himself because he just like ran right through a linebacker who was trying to cover him or just trucked a safety as he came off the line or something, and then just running for like 40 yards on his own. Um, maybe that's why I don't trust him. I, I just, I, I, I guess he could be getting better. Uh, but to your point, I think Missouri's wildly underrated. I was surprised to see this over 14 and a half. I, I thought 14, like 13 and a half would have been the line to kind of hook me in to Georgia, seeing it over that number pushes me to Missouri. Yeah, I don't I think, think Georgia Missouri is a fair pick, but it's one of those that if this game's at Mizzou, I think it's a three-point game. At Georgia, they're going to win by more than by double digits. Yeah, they're going to win by more than 10. It's just the number gets a little hazy when you get the 15 and a half. <laughs> yes, yes. It starts getting a little hairy there. Yeah, so that's where I go back to. I I think Missouri has enough of an offense with Cook and and um, and Burden and Weiss to to at least score some. I mean, in reality, Georgia hasn't played much of anyone slightly more than uh, our good friends Michigan have. But I don't. I, I I'm not ready to trust Beck yet. But to your point, I feel like I'm starting to almost have to. Um. We get our final bedlam, also in the 330 window, or at least the final bedlam for now. Number nine, Oklahoma, minus six and a half at number 22, Oklahoma State. You've mentioned Ollie Gordon a couple of times. You and I have managed to avoid him, and um, he's killed us. Last five weeks, 121 yards, 136 in a touchdown, 168 in a touchdown, 282 and four touchdowns. Last week, 271 and two touchdowns. If you want to play Ollie Gordon, play Ollie Gordon. I promise you, this is not the week to fade him. I think we're going to see a Big 12 classic shootout at Bedlam. I'm sad that this go- is going away. It's There's probably there's only a couple games each year that I'm like, oh, I this is going to be good. Like I'm, It's must-watch TV for me. Um, 
uh, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, LSU, Alabama. Like, and I won't change the channel, right? Yeah, you won't just flip around. Yeah, right. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma is in that category. And the other one that I'm sad is gone now is the Holy War. BYU, Utah used to be early in the season. And it was, it was uh, you know, Mormon on Mormon crime. And it was awesome. Like, they would have, it would be fights every year. They despise each other. I think that's why they kind of got rid of that game is there would always be a fight and it kind of looked bad. But that was a must-watch TV. So hard to have no, a I'm, holy war. I'm when sad. It's all, well, actually, most holy wars are a lot of fighting. Never mind. World history yeah. would tell me that. Let's yeah, <laughs> yeah, Middle East. Um, so Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, though Bedlam is, and I'm sad. It seemed like they. I swear it's a Thanksgiving weekend game normally, and they moved it off of that. So that's that was strange. But yeah, I think that we're going to see a very high scoring game here. I think Ollie Gordon's a great play. Ali Gordon should be able to run the ball. Oklahoma's looked a little leakier at, uh, on the run defense in the last couple weeks. So, to me, it wouldn't be bedlam if we don't have the uh, Oklahoma State fans storming the field in Stillwater. So, I like Oklahoma State plus six and a half, and, I, and I'm not afraid to have them win the game. I'm gonna keep riding with. with I, I'm on well, the keep bandwagon. riding with your OU man. I'm riding you. with them, man. I can't help it. We're gonna talk about Dylan Gabriel later. I'm the president of the fan club. Yeah, you got your money on them on the high spin, and here we are. Another game in the 330 window. Most of you are Florida State fans, so we are obligated to talk about it. Florida State minus 21 and a half at Pitt. Pitt is terrible. Do you have anything else to add besides that? Christian Ballo, their quarterback, is slightly mobile. He was a transfer from Penn State, and one of their wide receivers, Bub Means. Uh, they had Jerkovich, Bub Means, their <laughs> wide receiver. Okay. So he was the, he, he has one of the greatest wide receiver stat lines to start the season they had a game where he had 12 targets and no catches that sounds like uh Devontae adams last week that's an all-time that's an all-timer right there yeah that's gross uh i i you're talking jordan travis in a bit so i'll leave that alone i think florida state minus 21 and a half over here i just uh, the only way they florida state beats themselves in this game it went loses this game is they beat themselves uh, the way Jordan Travis is playing, I don't think they will. Uh, the probably more interesting ACC game in this window is Virginia Tech. Like I mentioned earlier, somehow mathematically second, third place technically, but like one loss. The only other one loss team in the ACC b- tied with Louisville for second place in the ACC. Uh, they're plus nine and a half at number 13 Louisville. Uh I didn't believe last week when I looked up and saw Virginia Tech was second in this conference. Um, of course, their only wins are Pitt, Wake, and Syracuse, who I believe to be the three worst teams in this conference. And we saw Florida State run all over this team. Um, I haven't looked that closely. Oh, never mind. I see his name right there. Uh, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, nine and a half for Louisville is my pick, and I'm sure you're right there with me. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll up that one. You want to tease that sucker up to fifteen and a half? I'm fine with it. Virginia yeah, Tech's I bad. I I'm I have some debate on Kyron Drones, their quarterback. He's very mobile, big kid, six three, two twenty. They're just not good. They're they're at best the second best team in their state. So I, I don't know that you can argue they're the if they're the second best team in the ACC. Then I feel bad for that division. Yeah, the whole conference is a disaster. So I I. Virginia Tech is – this is a good game 
if you just look at the records, I don't think Virginia Tech really is anywhere near the second best team in this conference. They just managed to beat all three of the worst teams in the conference. And so they end up here. Uh, by the end of this, the question will probably be, does Louisville beat Miami at the end of the year to hold on to the second spot solo? Or do they lose and drop into this weird mess of whatever survives out of Miami, UNC, Clemson? Well, Clemson has four losses now in conference, so forget about it. But this weird mesh of teams that are all just kind of blended together in that two-loss window. Here's my hot take. Virginia Tech doesn't even end up being bowl eligible. I mean, that's entirely possible. What are they? They got four right now or five? They have to have five. Uh, they beat Old Dominion. So they have four? And they lost to Marshall. Yeah, I <laughs> I looked at the schedule to see how they got to the second place in the conference spot. And, uh, yeah, they also lost to Rutgers pretty bad. Yeah, um, and the only game they have left that should be winnable probably would be Virginia. But Virginia's playing good ball right now. Virginia's playing really well. They're playing well. They're leaning on the run, and it's working. They lost um, to the best team in Virginia. <laughs> We'll talk about them later. We'll talk about them later, too. Uh, Next on the list, we finally get to the night games. Again, it's a loaded slate. Just park yourself on the couch this weekend. Uh, This one, number five, Washington at number 20, USC. Washington minus three and a half feels like a low number. I like USC. I like USC in this game, too. It's very (laughs) interesting. I mean, let's be real here. Is is anybody going to punt in this game? I don't. I mean, it's entirely possible no one punts, yes. I think the over-under was 73 and a half last I looked. Feels low. <laughs> it might be. I mean, these are two of the worst pass defenses in the country. Two of the best passing offenses in the country. I, if Caleb Williams wins this, loses this game, he we might never see him again. It might be. A, yeah, it might be. Because I think if you could, he needs the game that says, like, hey, I'm still that guy. Uh, Washington's defense got absolutely lit up last week by Stanford, who I believe I could fairly say is, quote, not that guy. Who's um, who's worse, Cal or Stanford? Cal. <laughs> to get lit up by. <laughs> Cal's, got J- Cal's got a better running back. And we've got this guy Mendoza, apparently. Well, they're both. are they both heading to the ACC soon enough? So, oh. Uh, They're both very smart. They're very smart people. I like USC to win mostly because Washington has looked bad. And look, every team's going to go through a stretch where you're going to look not your best. You're you're going to look like you may lose a game, and you have to go survive those games. And so far, Washington has. I just feel like they've done it three weeks in a row now, and at some point – that stops being, hey, we're just in a slide to more of, did we just have a hot start? Um, I'm not 100% sure USC is the team to start that, but I think any offense that could match them shot for shot is a problem for them. Well, I look at a few of the games that USC's had lately. They survived against Cal, survived against um, Arizona. Damn, and- near survived against Utah. Yeah. Yeah, Utah got them on the at the very end, but I mean they're one. Utah got them, and, and then they were, and then they got just bully balled on the long, you know, that long grass. If they had cut the grass in Notre Dame, maybe UC, USC would have won that game. Yeah, I, I, um, I feel like we just were like, well, we expected USC to be a lot better, so we just said, no, nope, that means they're terrible. Yeah, I think it's very similar. I mean, but they're still putting up. The offense looks fine. Yeah, I'm just worried about the. 
the defense and but I mean I'm worried about Washington's defense. I'm also too, worried so about Washington's defense. I'll right. take the three and a half because I got the hook. Uh my my game of the night, because of course it has to be number 14 LSU plus three and a half at number eight Alabama. Uh I've made no bones about it. I think Jaden Daniels is my Heisman favorite at this moment. He's got the most ridiculous stat line I think I've seen. Uh, in the country this year. I don't understand how someone like J.J. McCarthy is even in the running with like 2,000 fewer total yards. Um, my fear, and I don't hear enough people talking about it because, first of all, college football injuries are not something many people talk about in any way, stretch, or in any shape or form. But especially when they're on the defensive side of the ball, LSU is missing three corners, including their two starting corners, and who I would probably argue is their most talented corner who doesn't really play that much. He's, he's always, it seems to be uh, in the doghouse for Brian Kelly. Uh, all three of them are out. And their best defensive lineman, Makai Wingo, is now out for the season after surgery. He says he'll be back for the playoff. Uh, if that's going to be a thing, LSU has to win this game and assume Ole Miss loses another one while still winning out. Um The question just becomes, is Bama's offense consistent enough to take advantage of the problems LSU has. Uh, I mean, make no mistake about it, this LSU defense started the year abysmally. We saw the game against Ole Miss where they didn't get a stop. Um, But they are better than they were then. I think Brian Kelly said tonight, uh, Thursday as we record this, that the secondary is – or that the defense overall is night and day better than they were then, and, and I believe it. They they have a shutout on the schedule in the past few weeks. Again, that was Army, but uh, they gave up a whole bunch of points to Grambling in the first month, so shutting out Army is a whole lot better than giving up a bunch of points to Grambling. So they, they were playing better. Um, it's just a question to me of can Bama's offense take advantage of the now depleted areas like this cornerback room? I think we're going to see something similar with 60-something point total points in the game, 30 30- both teams going to live in the 30-point range. Uh, so I think, once again, you give me the hook on that three-and-a-half, I'll take it because it's a field goal game probably. If not, LSU could easily win. I'll take the two-thirds outcome versus the one-third. My my line on this one is I trust Jaden Daniels, fifth-year starter, easily the most yards in the country, Playing the best football, I I think we've talked about him before as being the hot and cold quarterback. Uh, oh. He's been scorching for ninety percent of the season. I think there was one game I texted you and I was like, "I'm done." And it might have been the only like two quarter stretch that he was rough. Because other than that, he's been unbelievable. Um, I trust him more if this game is close down the stretch than I do Milrow. Maybe just keeping on a handoff, and like I just don't think he's he's good enough of a thrower to make LSU miss their DBs in this one. I mean, there's going to be plays, but can he consistently hit the plays in the way that Daniels and Neighbors and Thomas have together all season? There's certainly no individual wide receiver that you're afraid of on that Alabama roster at the moment. Yeah, it's just can you keep up with them would be the question. Um, right. So you've got your options. You have the traditional standard Pac-12 shootout in Washington, USC at 730. Or you can have your untraditional LSU-Alabama who wants to play defense bowl at 745. Or you can have it all in double TV.
That's it. You can have both. Just like I have the projector right above the TV on a big game night. This will be LSU Alabama main TV sound up kind of situation for me. Uh, the last game I've got on the slate for you is number 16, Oregon State, who is here every week because they seem to always play the 10 p.m. game. And I like to pick the 10 p.m. game to recognize our Pac-12 friends who will be leaving us forever. Uh, minus 13 and a half at Colorado. Boy, I like the buffs this week. I, I, I just I've been against them all season. I, I haven't felt like they've got the horses to win these type of games. Um, I like them at home and they just so they look so much better when Travis Hunter plays. Uh, he just makes so much of a, so much more of a difference. It was three or four passes that I saw UCLA throw last week where he just like comes off of his guy and makes a play or just misses a play where I'm like, that's a special player out there. Two touchdowns is a lot. I'll take it. I tend to agree. It's <clears throat> it, it, and it's on the road at Colorado. We talked about how big of a deal it is playing at home in the Pac-12. So it's huge. I think that that makes a big difference. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable at 14 and a half. I feel like Oregon State's going to, just be able to run the football down their throats with, with Damian Martinez. DJU has been playing fairly well. The receivers have been getting good run with Silas Bolden, Anthony Gould, Jack Velling. They've been playing marginal defense though. And that's kind of what's concerning to me is their defense hasn't played that great. Colorado's defense on the other hand played a, a bit better last week even though it was more Chip Kelly hurt his own team than anything by not Standard letting, Chip Kelly, not letting Carson Steele run the rock. I mean, just because he coughed <laughs> it up twice and he's averaging nine yards a carry, let's bench him for the freshman running back who's averaging four yards a carry. But sure, Chip, um, you know, I, I think this is a situation where Colorado's playing well. I am a bit worried about Travis Hunter's role on offense at the moment. He has not been putting up big numbers there. He's been playing great defense, but I think they've dialed back his offensive production. Jimmy Horn's dialed back. Uh, Alton McCaskill, their big running back transfer out of Houston, they were looking to rely on as a running back. He's now going to redshirt. It's an interesting situation. They just have not developed a run game. And and did you see the stuff about uh, Shadur? taking sacks on purpose no so there's reports that Shadur's taking sacks on purpose to keep his completion percentage higher so he won't throw the ball away i, I saw him throw a couple away but i there there was that rumor going around here's the deal i could see that but the only reason you would even see that and make that accusation about Shadur is you're watching colorado too closely like, yeah. like, sure, I could believe a, a college player is trying to boost his draft stock by holding onto the ball to boost his and be like, oh, you line. Maybe he's just holding on the ball too long. Like, he maybe that's just also the, the answer. He has good pocket awareness. Yeah, maybe so. he just wants to make too many play, too many plays, and that gets him into trouble. I mean, Zach Wilson does that every Sunday. I mean, he holds onto the ball and rolls out forever. I'm like, just throw the damn thing away, man. I don't think pocket awareness and Zach Wilson will ever be said in a sentence. Well, he's got 15 more years until he turns 30, I think, so it's plenty of time. Maybe awareness at all with Zach Wilson. <laughs> Top to bottom, I got Kansas State plus four and a half at number seven, Texas. Texas A&M plus three and a half at Ole Miss. 
Clemson plus three and a half hosting Notre Dame. Missouri plus 15 and a half at Georgia. Oklahoma State plus six and a half hosting Oklahoma. Uh, Florida State minus 21 and a half at Pitt. Virginia Tech is uh, plus nine and a half. I have Louisville minus nine and a half against Virginia Tech at home. Uh, USC plus three and a half against Washington at home. LSU plus three and a half on the road at Alabama. And then Colorado plus 13 and a half at home in the game against Oregon State. We shift down to DFS. Again, we do DraftKings. So that's where I went to DraftKings uh, for the love there and, and uh, you know, all the great pricing and stuff. Saturday, main slate is what we play. That's the noon and 3.30 kickoff in case you're new to it. That's the, uh, again, noon, 3.30 kickoff. Sometimes you get a four in there, but it's mostly noon and 3.30. Um, get you a quarterback, two running backs, three receivers. Yeah, quarterback, two running backs. Well, it's basically two quarterbacks because super flex. Because super flex, you would play a second quarterback. Yeah, 100% FYI. all the time. Uh, two running backs, three wide receivers, and a flex. So running back or wide receiver there, but typically you'd want a running back there. So that is your standard DraftKings lineup in case you're new to it and, and tuning in. We get we get some questions here and there. So uh, I go first to quarterback. You said you get to play two. You always give us two. Doesn't mean that's the two you want. You want in your lineups together, uh, but uh, you mentioned your first one a few times. Jordan Travis, a nine thousand dollars salary on Florida State. Uh, yep. So first time all year, I think I'm going to go on the Jordan Travis. Other than the showdown, I've other than the showdown fading. over in the season when I was just yeah. screaming. Yeah, I've been fading Travis. I don't know why. I think he's got well, – does he have three touchdowns in every game, basically? I mean, it's just – he's running it. He's running he, it a lot more. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think they're boosting that Heisman number. And so I, I'm going to have some exposure this week. Will it be everywhere? Probably not. I think he's the safest play on the board. I think quarterback this week is just downright nasty. I mean, you can run through these games, but you're not trusting Ohio State's quarterback. You know, there, there's just a very bad slate of quarterbacks in this one. And I I believe that Travis is probably the safest and best one, albeit the most expensive. Drake may face this team. I think he's the best comparison. 300 yards of offense, three touchdowns. I wouldn't be shocked to see Travis do that and then some against this Pittsburgh team. I already did make sure to check the weather. The weather looked very nice for a Pittsburgh November weekend. It a little was 50s, lovely. Yeah. 50s and no rain. So that's that's big. Uh, I think that was my biggest concern when I went to write this up was to check the weather. Pittsburgh is decent against the pass, decent against the run, but nothing that's going to handle this freight train that's coming in. Yeah, I like Jordan a lot this week. Again, to your point, he's getting a ton of the run game, and and it felt like they flipped the switch during the Duke game and just said, hey, you can run. Uh, Still be judicious with it but run and he's doing it more. He's got four rushing touchdowns in the last three games. Uh, If he starts doing even more of that or hits a long one, I mean, we know he's one of the fastest guys out there. These receivers are plenty capable of blocking downfield. He hasn't really hit a long one yet. He's been getting down. I think if he can find a sliver and hit, 
hit that 60 yard rushing touchdown. I mean, that alone is 12 points. I mean, you know, That's you don't, 12 pointer. you don't, you don't need that much. If he starts running the ball on in that capacity, uh, we know he's one of the best runners in the country. Like you mentioned, he's going for this Heisman. He, he's in the running. He's undefeated. He's certainly got a shot at it. They run the table. Can't argue with that play at all. Your other quarterback you're interested in, uh, not maybe pairing with, but but having in your lineup as maybe the counterpunch is Dylan Gabriel. Oh, you, your guy. Yeah, I mean, if Bedlam shoots out, I'm the president of the fan club. I know. I, I dis- didn't want to play him at all last year, and now I'm the, the president of the Dylan Gabriel fan club. You know, it, it was awful weather last year, last week. And in Kansas, they lost. I, it doesn't matter to me that they lost other than my Heisman future. But <laughs> he had 30 fantasy points. He still ran the ball well. He had three rushing touchdowns, just like Garrett Green did. And this is Bedlam. It's the last iteration of Bedlam. You know, it's a 62 and a half point total on the game. And that's seven points higher than any other game on the slate. Yeah, How do you not want to get in on this and just say, okay, Oklahoma, I haven't trusted their running backs all year. Maybe if Marcus Major's out, maybe if Tywee Walker's out, then I'll get some Sawchuck in, and that'll flip me over to Jordan Travis. But Gabriel's going to carry this team on his back, and he's been doing that. They got a 34-point team total right up there with Florida State. If you told me that both teams are going to score five touchdowns, I'd feel probably it's slightly better that Oklahoma has of those five touchdowns that Gabriel's involved with four of them. Whereas Travis, I could easily see a couple rushing touchdowns with the talent that's around him in the backfield, specifically Benson being able to rip one off here and there. So that's where I come in with that. And honestly, there's a guy we're going to talk about later that I'm, I'm going to be playing more than likely in, in a game with one of these two. And the only reason I didn't write him up is because we're going to talk about him in the wide receiver section. So quarterback's just really weird this week. You're just going to have to spend this week. I just There's a lot of stuff that I don't want to touch, and there's a couple shots here and there you can take, but they're not cash options. They're not safe options. These are the safe guys. If you were pairing them with somebody, or, or what what is your player pool kind of look like? Who just you don't have to go deep into it, but just the names you're kind of looking at. So, Jordan McLeod is eighty one hundred playing for JMU, uh, facing a terrible pass defense in Georgia State, giving up two hundred eighty three yards a game. They have a thirty point team total. He has some mobility and some rushing upside. He's been playing great. Kyron Drones of Virginia Tech, I, I think his mobility, the reason why he's even in the pool is he's 6,300. He's probably the best cheap option. They've only got a 20-point team total, but if they're scoring on Louisville, it's probably going to be involving him. So I think that's where you get to the two touchdowns and he can pay off that salary. Darren Granger, Georgia State, he's at 7K. He's facing JMU. JMU's one weakness has been their pass defense. Their rush defense is the number one in the in the country. It's just not recognized by the NCAA because apparently they don't count. <laughs> and KJ Jefferson, I want to have heartburn by including him. I went and done this experiment when they played against Texas A&M. Florida's just not very good. 
Dan Enos, their offensive coordinator, was fired. Maybe we could see a resurgence on KJ, but I would only play KJ in in a tournament lineup as a hope and a prayer. We can move on to running back now. I already whispered the secret on this name, Joar Jordan, 6,700 at Louisville. He was a uh, a guarantee for my lineup this week. Oh, look at that. I, he just ripped off another 20 yards against Duke. I mean, he just <laughs> kept doing it. Like, it was just – it was 10s, 12s, 15s. I, they just marched down the field handing them the ball. And I, I'm glad he played in that game because there was no – and there was no chance we were playing him last week because of the hamstring. We didn't think he would play. But with the explosiveness – and he has it in spades, his explosive play rate – now he's finally started getting the carries. Early in the year, he was a 9 to 12 carry guy, and you just hoped he broke off too. He had 21 carries last week against a good good Duke rush defense that's been struggling a little bit lately. Hart and 63 yards, two touchdowns. He's looked really good in this Virginia Tech defense. We picked on with Rasheen Ali. We've picked on it with Maccabee earlier in the year. I gave the stat when we when we played Ali about what Kyle Monin guy ran for 150 and three touchdowns on him. None of them are nearly as talented or as skilled as Jawar Jordan. So I'm going to lean on Jawar Jordan this week, 29 point team total. I think he's got three touchdown upside in this matchup. I really like him. And then we'll move into Travion Henderson of Ohio state at 6,500. Travion Henderson came back last week as well. So we got to see him healthy again, which was a big benefit that made me feel better about being able to play him this week. He had 34 fantasy points last week in his return. I mean, that and handled most of the work. His number one competition in that backfield, Mayan Williams, is out for the season now with an injury. Nobody has confidence in Kyle McCord back there. He's going to chuck it up here and there to Marvin Harrison because Maserati Marv needs to get his touches. <laughs> but Henderson's going to get the rock a ton at Rutgers. I like even more because we get that Northeast weather. And I think that that's going to see us get 20 carries and he's going to be 7,500 here in no time. And we're not going to be playing, playing him anymore. 30 and a half point team total. I'd say you're looking at at least two touchdowns on Travion Henderson and Rutgers has looked good. They have only given up 3.57 a carry and six touchdowns on the season against uh, rush uh, in rushing defense. But there's only two comparable games that they've played to this. Wisconsin, Braylon Allen, 100 yards and a touchdown. Michigan, Blake Corum, 100 yards, two touchdowns. That seems like our floor is 102 touch and a touchdown. So... Worst case scenario, you're looking at 20 fantasy points. We're already over 3x value. I feel confident in both of them, and that would be an interesting way to get. And then, of course, Ali Gordon. Because to get what? Might have lost you there. Sorry. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of where we want to go as far as floor, right? Those are guys are safe. And then you got Ali Gordon, which is just this, you know, he's just a smash play obviously, but I'm not writing up Ollie Gordon. We need to get some some leverage on the field. I think a lot of the field <laughs> will be on Ollie Gordon. I'll have some Ollie Gordon, but I don't necessarily trust Ollie Gordon. Just make sure you watch the news um, injury-wise. 
Will Shipley left last week with a concussion. I'm sure most of y'all know about that. Phil Maffa will replace him, a.k.a. One Bad Maffa, and he will get the start if he's out, and I will be playing him as a value play at 5,500. He will be a great play. Similar situation, Marcus Major and Tawee Walker of Oklahoma are questionable. If they're both out, Gavin Sawchuk will get the run, and he will be very cheap, and he will be one of the more popular plays on the slate as well. But I'd go with a very tight player pool again this week. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be tough. Walker listed as a likely game-time decision. So, um, you know, might might be one of those things to keep an eye on up to kickoff. But Sawchuck is extremely cheap, 4400 hanging out there in the running back pool. Uh, we slide down a wide receiver and uh, Lad McConkey of Georgia, 5800 yeah, so if Squirrel White is an all-name team, this is the least athletic name team is Lad <laughs> McConkey of Georgia at 5,800. So McConkey, similar to the other guys, you know, he's been coming back from injury. He had a back issue. We finally saw him put a full game together last week. I was on him on FanDuel a bit because he was cheap. Against Florida, he put up six for 135 and one. And now that Bowers is out of the lineup. And in response to that, DraftKings managed to keep his price exactly where it was at 5,800 from last week. I thought he was too expensive last week. This week, he's too cheap. Shockingly, like we brought up, Carson Beck is throwing for 334 yards a game. Who's getting that? We forget maybe that McConkey was a staple in the offense of the last couple of years. He was one of their better wide receivers. He was regularly getting 100 yards. I think we see that very similarly again this week. And that will, you know, I was all of the other consideration for me was Eugene Wilson of Florida. Like we said, he had four for 62 and a touchdown. He's 5,300. McConkey will be the guy that I kind of move around and look at, but I think he's a very safe, good play early on. And I think Eugene Wilson is in that similar boat, but our value is coming from our next game. And that is the duo, the dynamic duo for the James Madison Dukes, Reggie Brown and Elijah Surratt. Brown checking in at 5,000. Elijah Surratt checking in at 4,800. They're at minimum 1,500 too cheap, probably closer to 2,000 too cheap. And that's just based off of what stats they put up, where their projections are. They project, Surratt projects very similarly to Luther Burden from a numbers perspective this week, and he's $2,000 cheaper. Brown, similar boat, projects very similar to Jamari Thrash this week, $1,600 cheaper than Thrash. You know, so that's where we're, we're finding a ton of value. This is a team that is dominating the Sun Belt. They're putting up points every week. Yes, I'm very much so a homer. These are this is my alma mater. These are my guys. This is their toughest game this year. And I'm very much so looking forward to this because Georgia State can light up the scoreboard with the best of them. And I've I've been concerned with them all year long. Our pass defense is uh, very bad. Our run defense is very good. And their overall defense is very bad. I think this is a game where you can – it's the second highest total on the slate. This is a game where you can play both quarterbacks from this game and three wide receivers from this game, and you'll start to see some stuff happen. 
and that's going to be a nice little game stack. I will play some of that. Brown's more the big play threat. Uh, he has games of 27 fantasy points, 38 and 36 this season. Surratt is your possession guy with five to eight catches in each of his last six games, but he also gets into that 18 to 25 point range more often. So he's a little safer. I will probably lean Surratt if you're only playing one. Playing both with Jordan McLeod is a staple in what will be my lineups this weekend. I am attempting to build a lineup this week and struggling to do much of anything. Yeah, you got to come uh, off. It's of hard out there. Yeah, I'm that's not what even, I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you, that's why that's the number one reason why you're going to see me with a ton of McLeod with the JMU combo because I'm only spending 9,800 at wide receiver for two spots, and then you're going to have to. That's where the injury news is going to come in. So key, Mafa will come in big. Uh, Sawchuck would come in big, right? You need somebody to be that cheap value. There's some opportunities for some cheap value. Um, we're not going JMU triple stack, but if you needed to fade somebody, Phoenix Sproles at 3,700, nice little value there. Phillip Brooks, we mentioned him of Kansas State, 4,900, nice value there. Rashad Owens of Oklahoma State, 4,700, nice value there. So there's some value out there. You just got to pick and choose where you play it and how you want to play it. Is this a slate where you want to go double, uh, a triple running back? I might not. I might end up going four wideouts in order to make it work, but it's very difficult. And the, the first thing I did was try to put in Gabriel McLeod, a double stack of McLeod's guys with McConkey and both of the running backs I liked, and it left me 4,200. I can make that work. I don't love it. So that's where Mafa is going to come in handy. Uh, I, It's just very interesting. I think you're going to have to take shots. In cash, I think you pay for two of the quarterbacks, two of the high-end quarterbacks. 100% you're going to have to pay for two of them. I think running backs where you're going to have to differentiate a little bit in cash, and the wide receivers are 100% JMU guys are going to be heavily owned, Wilson heavily owned. So that's the type of guys you're just kind of looking at right there. Tournaments, I think you need to get in these, like you're going to have to start mixing and matching Kyron Drones, KJ, Darren Granger, and you're going to have to kind of go off the reservation a little bit. Yeah, it is uh, gross out here, man. I, I, I'm out here trying to build it, trying to figure out what it is that works. I don't see an OU receiver worth anything. Nick Anderson is the one. That he's terrified me looking at it. Yeah, he's the only He, he got donutted last week, or he had one catch last week, but that was the weather. They only threw it 15 times. I'm not worried about that. Nick Anderson is the wide receiver one there, and he has eight touchdowns in his past six games before that. Yeah, so he he's the one, I, if I'm looking at anyone in that range. What I have together here, I don't particularly love. You can go with um, your buddy Inez Smith again. He's 5,100. It's a good price tag on him. So here's what I have so far. Dylan Gabriel, Ollie Gordon, and again, I'm with you. It's a tough sell to put both of them in there, but uh, I'm with you. I think it's a shootout, and it's a fun one. It seems like Gabriel's just going to do the heavy lifting on his side, and Gordon's going to do it on his side. 
Jawar Jordan, I, I I'm not building a lineup without him in it. I don't I don't see myself doing that this week. Nia Smith at fifty one hundred, as you called. I don't know how he got cheaper, and Evan Stewart got more expensive last week. I don't. I, I, it didn't I don't, make I don't any know how sense. That, I don't know how that happened. Uh, I have both of your JMU guys in here, but I don't really care for that because I'm not playing the quarterback, and so I don't know where to go from there because you can't really play the quarterback if you're going to play those three top guys. He's too expensive. You can't go. Yeah, he's eighty one hundred guys. It's too expensive. Um. I, I'm surprised to see Keon Coleman so much less expensive than Marvin Harrison. He's almost two grand less expensive. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I would play Coleman over Harrison all day. I mean, I, I understand he's got some of these games in here, but against the lesser teams, the Wake, Syracuse, what I assume Pitt will be, uh, he, he's 25-32, Duke held him to seven. Uh, and Virginia Tech, the game, they pretty much just ran the ball all game. He had five. So, I mean – it's it's uh, especially if Johnny Wilson is not out there again, I'm surprised that number is so low. Um, I just don't know where else to go. Uh, sitting around five thousand. Um, you know, you mentioned McConkey, maybe a little too expensive, but that's where you're talking about the injury luck, right? There, the, the injury notifications. If I go Strat, if I go Anderson, Ania Smith, I end up with fifty one hundred. You know, I don't really like my options here. And then it's like, okay, well, maybe I take this quarterback and I do what? I'm averaging 5,800. I've got flex and super flex left. And so that's Dude, what you're talking 5, about. 5,800 with a flex and a super flex? Yeah, you can't really do it. Yeah, you can't. You got to go drones at Virginia Tech at 6,300. I was you there. You just don't have a choice. I was there in Jefferson with the two guys. I felt like I could make a pick and fit. I think you got to go drones at that point because then that's 6,300. That's 500 over your 58. That gives you 5,300 left. I got 54. It was 5,350. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, I wish you had 100 more. You could get Phil Moffa. Yeah. That'd you be get nice. Eugene Wilson at 5,300. Uh, yeah, I could. I could do that. He's sitting there at the 11 reception game last week at 75 yards. Arkansas isn't exactly great as we've talked about. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of watching this down to the wire. I think it looks like Moss is expected Moss is to probable. play for a I mean, he's right, but really then now cheap. You're, now are you really going to run out Smith and Smith Moss, and Moss in the same? No. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd rather just go with with Smith at 5,100. Um, yeah, it, it becomes a tough window. The other guy I like in this area... I like Jaheim Bell at five thousand. It's more expensive than he was last week. But if Jordan, uh, if Johnny Wilson doesn't play again, they continue getting him the ball. Um, yeah, I saw your guy Portier scored a touchdown. Well, did they call that back? No. Uh, he had a long catch. I think they called the touchdown back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he donutted the one week you wanted me to play him. But it was for the same reason, because when Johnny Wilson doesn't play, he's the guy who steps up. But he had been hurt at the beginning of the year, and then he. In the week I wanted to go to him was the week he was coming back, and they just didn't use him like they, like I kind of expected that they would. All right, so uh, you're going to hate me for telling you this, but from an upside standpoint, what is free? From an upside standpoint, free. I don't hate the idea in that lineup that you had right there of going from Ollie Gordon to Travion Henderson. Then that lets you get from drones to darren granger 
the Georgia State quarterback. And then that changes things. Okay, well, what about this one? Here, here, here's a number that I don't, I don't really. You're gonna hate it, but that's fine. If Johnny Wilson misses this game again and Destin Hill sit, because I know most of you are Florida State fans, so I, I don't mind going in an in-depth Florida State conversation here. I don't hate going Poitier at thirty-two hundred, and I can literally go with the same lineup I just told you with Jordan Travis. I can go Travis and Gabriel. And I can get up basically every guy I wanted on here, including Ollie Gordon. And all I'm doing it, is taking one thirty-two hundred for a guy who's going to start as the outside receiver across from Keon Coleman. It's not the worst plan ever. I don't hate it. I, like it's gross. It's definitely gross. I'm not here to admit it's not gross. But in I a don't tournament, hate I don't hate it because there is the potential. Plus, you're stacking it, and you get the best quarterback plays with it. I've Toyed with the idea of is it worth it to try to punt off a spot, essentially. And, and it's, it's something I've toyed with more on FanDuel where I try to punt two wide receivers with like 5K salary, just like stone minimum, and get these two cheap guys in and just hope they score a touchdown and then play a whole bunch of studs. And it's been working for me. And I was trying, I've been a now biggest thing I can tell everybody is when you play these contests, specifically you, right? So when you play a $4 tournament, right? Yep. At the end of it, do you go and look at analyze the lineup that you that won your tournament and try yes. to understand how did they get there? Yes. Yeah, I look at it and I'll say, okay, I was heavy on this game. Clearly, and, and some of them I look at and I go, how did you get there? You must have just played enough lineups where you were willing to take shots on basically every game. Because sometimes I see like Georgia against somebody stacked, and I'm like, "How did you end up there? What 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 at what point? I mean, Georgia's very good, obviously, but that's that's a terrible example. But you know what I mean? Like I see uh, someone stacked against Georgia, and I'm going, "How did we get there? How did we get to that point where you said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stack against Georgia.' But you're just going for it's a cash, it's a tournament, and we're just going to take the shot, right? And, and uh, you know, but a lot of times it is I'm just on the wrong game. I was just I was just totally on the wrong game. Right. And that's just variance, you know. That's where that's where sometimes I wonder in your sense, right? If you're playing the four dollar tournament, is it more worth it to play four one dollar tournament lineups and then you get some spread? Or is it worth it to play eight fifty cent mini max lineups? You know, like which what is the variance level that you'll see diminishing returns? Cause I like I always said, I I I tend to play better with less lineups because I'm concentrating my efforts on that one lineup and I don't get scatterbrained. Uh, how do you feel about Philip Brooks at 4,900? I think you Love mentioned it. him earlier. Is Love that... it. I so, think it's very, very interesting. I think it's a sharp play. I think it's a super sharp play. So so here's the lineup that I have currently in my hand. Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, 8,900. Ali Gordon, 7,200. Jawar Jordan, 67. Phil Brooks, 4,900. Poitier at 3,200, assuming Johnny Wilson misses. Ania Smith at 5,100. Your boy Brown at 5,000. And Jordan Travis. I like Surratt more, but yeah, I don't disagree. I think that's I mean, I fair. Could drop that, I could drop that down. I mean, I could I could if we wanted. I don't, I don't know that what it would get you, though, either. Well, I mean, ooh. You could, all right, so here's the deal. You go Brown down to Surratt, right? Okay, scrolling. Got him. 
And then that allows you to go from Smith, unless you really want Smith, but that allows you to go from Smith to Eugene Wilson. Eugene Wilson. And so then the lineup, you have your chance for your, you have both of your top quarterbacks and you just, you just basically need Poitier to start on the outside. Because I again at thirty two hundred to to give you value and you know this but for listeners I mean you're I mean if he catches a touchdown we're there at thirty two hundred I mean it's 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 there I mean it it is a, it, the value is there yeah all he needs to do is catch one pass for a touchdown and you're already at value yeah the problem being he has one reception on the season so you're taking an absolute dart throw but. Uh, he was absolutely running as the number two receiver last week. They just it was key on Coleman. I saw him catch a touchdown last week. It might it was called back, but he caught that touchdown. He did, and, and we know he's a capable receiver. So I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. The other guy, if you're really looking for Florida State guys, I'm still kind of waiting on the Morlock touchdown to come. They're using him more in that traditional tight end as we see Bell kind of sliding around a bit. Uh, more like we expected without Johnny Wilson out there. Um, he's, I think, 3,600 in that ballpark. So if, if you're a Florida State fan, just kind of looking around, I don't hate that. I feel like the touchdown has to be coming here. I also don't like throwing a mega dart on, like, just give me a touchdown on a guy. But he's playing enough where I don't hate it. He's got a couple of targets last few weeks. So, I mean, you could do worse um, if you're really dying for cheap and trying to wedge in the quarterbacks. But I think you've got enough options on the table here to make something else work. I think Portier's the the play if you're punting. If Johnny Wilson misses as well. If you're punting, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so overall, one to a quick time, top to bottom. Jordan Travis, the quarterback, 9,000. The other option there is your big quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, 8,900. He listed off the guys like KJ Jefferson, Drones, and the other guys you could consider for the cheaper options. Jawar Jordan, uh, 6,700 at Louisville at running back. Travion Henderson, 6,500 at running back. Lad McConkey, 5,800 at Georgia wide receiver. And then Reggie Brown and Elijah Surratt, for James Madison University, whose stats don't count except in DFS, uh, at wide receiver. He also likes the potential of a game stack here. Jordan McLeod with Brown, Surratt, Darren Granger, Robert Lewis, um, kind of rounding out that lineup for that game. He is also, of course, our resident JMU homer. Any any last advice for JMU this week? Try to just defend, defend the pass. <laughs> it's both of us this week. Both of us with big games, and please, God, defend the pass. So... Hopefully it works out great. And we have uh, two wonderful wins to talk about next week. But uh, until then, appreciate you guys listening through the end. Appreciate you guys giving us a shot all season long. We've got uh, a few more weeks to go, and I'm sure we'll figure out something for bowl season to keep this rolling at least a little bit. So I know you'll be playing. We'll just have to find some kind of weird schedule to make it work. So until then, appreciate y'all listening. See you next week.